Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, uh, I had planned on uh, continuing uh, talking about, uh, I was in this week, I was going to talk about uh, relationships, and uh, I just felt like a, a little bit different uh, vein. So next week, uh, Lord willing, we're going to discuss uh, how to have pure and healthy relationships, and so we're going to address that uh, next week. Uh, but tonight, uh, we're going to be continuing, obviously, in our purity series. This is week three. But if you're in First uh, Timothy chapter four, verse twelve, it says, "Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers." And what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and what? Come on. And your purity. purity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is a great privilege and honor to be in your house tonight. Lord, we just love you so much. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, that as you speak to us tonight, that we will never be the same. Lord, that you're changing us from glory to glory to glory. And Lord, we just open up ourselves tonight We're just to receive from you. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, for we're listening to you, God. Thank you, God, for speaking to each and every one of us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about the dangers of living in the moment. The dangers of living in the moment. You know, uh, there's a great danger in not thinking about the future and just kind of living in, in the moment, living in, in just what feels right. And we've talked about this so much. In fact, uh, we were at a Model Man Conference and on the way back, uh, me, Blake, and Pastor Kelly were even talking about this, of just this, um, this movement, so to speak, that's sweeping across uh, our land and our nation of of if, if it feels good, just just do it, just go for it. That's kind of the realm of our morality of just whatever I feel, then that's what I'm going to do. And and our culture as a whole has bought into just living in the moment. And there's great danger in that, in living in the moment. And so uh, tonight's message, it, I'm primarily talking about purity and and sexuality and avoiding just living what you feel moment by moment. But this actually, obviously, this applies to every single one of us. And it goes even beyond the realms of purity and sexuality and all that. It's everything in our life of of living beyond the moment. And so tonight we're going to talk about uh, three dangers that we face whenever we live in the moment. And uh, I'm going to talk at the end about how do we avoid or escape the dangers of living in the moment. You know, if you read uh, if you read your Bibles and the Gospels, how many of you ever heard uh, the, the the man that started the Baptist church? Any, anybody ever heard of the man that started the Baptist church? I know Josh, if he was, you know, didn't have so many appointments today, he would catch that cheesy joke. John the Baptist, who started the, but no, okay, I, okay, I'm just trying to, just trying to, yeah. Yeah, Blake had a little little golf clap for me there. John the Baptist. <laughs> John the Baptist, who did not start the Baptist church. He was actually totally opposite of what some Baptists believe. But anyway, John the Baptist was an incredible man. He was he was wild. He was just uh he was just he was awesome, uh awesome guy. You know, he was he he really if anyone in the Bible did not care about what others thought about him, it was John the Baptist. I mean, you don't walk around in 
and the clothing that he walked around in and and eat have the diet that he had and care about what other people think. And in fact, you don't say the type of things that John the Baptist said and care about what other people think. And uh, in Mark chapter six, it kind of gives a recap of what was going on. Herod was the king of the land at the time, and Herod would show up uh, to John the Baptist's meetings and he would he would walk in and the Bible actually said that he enjoyed listening to John the Baptist. He he was curious of, of what he had to say. And uh, and John w- was pretty ruthless to, to Herod. In fact, uh, Herod would come to his meetings and uh, Herod uh, was actually living a, a life of adultery. In fact, um, he was uh, he took the wife of his brother and uh, and and John was like, dude, that's not cool at all. So imagine you're a guy. He comes to fusion. He wants to check it out. And uh, he's known that he's living a total uh, immoral lifestyle. And every time he comes, he's like, man, I like this. I like Pastor Elijah. He's got a good message and stuff. And I just rip him to shreds every time he comes in here. He'd call him out and say, hey, look, you're living a life of sin. You need to turn around. And he kept coming back to John the Baptist's meetings. He didn't like what was being said to him, but it, the Bible says that it fascinated him uh, and he was intrigued by what John the Baptist was saying. Well, the wife or, or uh, the mistress or whoever you want to call it that, John, that Herod was with did not like that at all. Uh, she had it out against him big time and uh, she made the request uh, for John to be imprisoned and killed and John ended up being in prison. Um, but Herod was just afraid to uh, make that decision to go ahead and kill him because he knew that he was a prophet and a man of God. And uh, it just, you know, he, did, he didn't want to do that. And so we pick up the story uh, in Mark chapter 6, verse 21. Herod uh, has, is having a birthday party thrown uh, by his, by his uh, wife. And... Um, Herod's uh, stepdaughter comes and kind of does this little inappropriate dance for the the group. And um, Herod's wife's name in in, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 21 is uh, Herodias. uh, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and leading citizens of Galilee. So this was kind of this was a big deal. Like all the most influential people uh, were coming to King Herod's birthday. Uh, you know, imagine if if the president or someone in office, someone very influential was throwing a birthday party, he would invite all the well-known guests, people that ha- of the community that were very influential and knew a lot of people and things like that. That's kind of what was happening here. Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. For he went out and asked, so she went out, so he made this offer. And uh, how many of you watch Shark Tank? Shark Tank fans? favorite show. I love Shark Tank. You know, they come in like, hey, I got this is my company. I'm seeking this amount of equity for this percentage. And it's just really cool. And so they make them different offers and stuff like that. And so sometimes uh, a shark will 
make an offer and he's like, well, I'm not sure. Hold on. Let me call uh, my business partner. Can I go out for a second? So Herod had just made uh, his daughter this offer. Look, I'll give you whatever you want. I, I, I like this, this dance that, that you're doing. It greatly pre- pleased me. Uh, I'll give you anything you want at all. Make your requests known. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Man, that is a big offer. So instead of just saying, hey, I'll take I'll go ahead. I'll take I'll accept that. I'll take half of your kingdom. Uh, she leaves and she decides to consult uh, her mother. And so she goes and consults her mother. And instead of half the kingdom, uh, she counters with uh, as, as she asked her, her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Then the king, that's pretty heavy, like not just I want him dead, like I want his head on the tray. That's kind of, I don't know why that, but then the king deeply regretted what he said because he vows, because he made of this vow he made in front of his guests, all these influential people, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in prison and brought the head on the tray and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. Point number one, living in the moment will not only affect me, but it affects others. Living in the the moment will affect more than just me. Herod was living in the moment And even though he didn't really care about very much for being confronted by John the Baptist, uh, he still honored him as a man of God. He knew that what he was saying, uh, you know, was true. He honored him as a prophet. And um, in the moment of him in this area, he he enjoyed the dance, which is kind of sick to begin with. You know, that's a whole nother story. But he enjoyed the dance. And because of that, he was willing to give up half of his kingdom. There's a lot on the line whenever we live in the moment. And Herod greatly regretted what he had did. But because of all the people in the, that were in there, he was, his fear of man, ultimately what it came back to, um, he wouldn't go back. And so because of his living in the moment, a man of God lost his life. And I wonder how many of us in the moment, you know, you know, you know that you get caught up in the moment and you begin. You don't think about what, what consequences are. You don't think about uh, what could happen beyond that. And how many people, I wonder, have made that decision of I'll give up everything just for this one moment for Herod. It wasn't worth it at all. And for us, it's, it's, it's normally not worth it at all. And in fact, it's never worth it. Because we, what we do is we accept one momentary pleasure for a lifetime of consequences. One momentary pleasure for a lifetime of consequences. And a lot of times what we think about is, how many of you ever heard this? Is look, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. It only affects me. We've talked about that. But you hear that all the I hear that all the time of, look, I'm just going to do what I want to do. It's it's me, 
and uh, and it only affects me. And the truth is, whenever I live in the moment, it always affects other people. Uh, my choices in one moment will not only affect me, but it will affect friends, it will affect family members, and it can even affect generations beyond you to come. There's so many people that, you know, it's in, the message of the Bible is so incredible. It's this message of grace that that there's nothing that someone else can just put a, put on us and the generational curses, and we don't have to live in that. But how much better for us not even to have to break those generational curses? You know, some of us that are first generation Christians or or for, you know, your pioneers or your your family was first generation, your father or mother, first generation Christians. Think about if you make a decision, I'm not going to live in the moment, but I'm going to live beyond the moment thinking about others that are behind me and the things that I'm dealing with, my children won't have to deal with. I know a lot of us, especially as teenagers, don't think beyond even high school or beyond the weekend or behind beyond the current moment that we're in. And I want to challenge you to think beyond the moment. Think beyond just current pleasure in everything, especially purity and keeping your purity. But in everything that we do, think beyond the moment, because if I live in the moment, it will affect more than just me. The second thing, whenever I live in the moment, Whenever I live in the moment, it can change the course of my life. When I live in the moment, it can change the course of my life. In Genesis chapter 25, uh, we, we find a story of Jacob and Esau. How many of you know the story of Jacob and, and Esau? How many? Let me see. How many know that story of Jacob and Esau? You know, in, in reading that story... It's very fascinating. You know, you, we know the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob uh, was not uh, the manliest of, of men. Uh, he enjoyed cooking. Not our Jacob. Our Jacob is, is a manly man. Uh, but this Jacob was not. And uh, he was kind of the Bible refers to him as more of like a mama's boy. He enjoyed cooking. He he preferred uh, aprons over camo and and uh, his brother Esau, he he enjoyed hunting. He was an outdoorsman. He was a, a man's man. And he was also uh, the firstborn. And uh, in those days, you know, for, for the generation, it's sometimes it's hard to understand the Bible with our culture. Um, you can't just think about the Bible in your culture. You got to think about the Bible in the current culture that it was in. Being a firstborn in this time, was a really, really big deal. Um, the The firstborn got uh, the blessing, got got the bulk of the inheritance, um, and and it was it was a big deal to be the firstborn. Esau was the firstborn, and so Jacob always desired to to have that birthright, but it wasn't didn't belong to him. It belonged to Esau. And one day. Um, Jacob was was making a, a, a bowl of stew and Esau came back from a, a long day in hunting. And we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 25, verse 32. It says, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. 
What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, therefore, therefore, or thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. I mean, at least like a ribeye, you know, or, or some crawfish or something like some gumbo, lentil stew and some bread. It probably wasn't even that great. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. Esau sold, gave up his birthright to Jacob for a little bowl of stew. Esau was living in the moment. And you read the story of Jacob and Esau, and and it's, it becomes like, well, what, what did he really give up? You know, I think about it, I was like, well, I mean, Esau, he had land, he had cattle, he had other things too. I mean, he seemed to have a blessed life and and studying and just praying about it. It's like, God, what what did he really give up? Well, in my opinion, what he gave up was one of the most dear things to ever give up. We say that of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And what Esau gave up was his birthright. But not only that, he decided that in this moment, that I'm beyond just the firstborn, I'm willing to come out from the covering of God, that I don't care about what God's provided. And it's a great illustration to us as Christians, for those of us that live and walk with God. So many of us have made a decision of in a moment and just a momentary pleasure. I don't care about my standing with God. I, I just want to I just want to just settle for this this soup. I just want to I just want to eat this right now and just just worry about this moment. And Esau made a decision to live in the moment. And because he lived in the moment, it altered the course of his life. Now, you know, at the end of his life, you see that Jacob and Esau, you know, at one time Esau, obviously he hated Jacob very, very much. And uh, we see some reconciliation that happened and Esau went on to live a, a pretty good life. But it altered the course of his life for the rest of his life. There is grace and forgiveness for each and every one of us, but some of the decisions that we make, and I want you to hear this and understand it, some of the decisions that we make can alter the course of the rest of your life. The rest of your life. You know, you know if somebody made a decision uh, to, to have sex outside of marriage, why is that such a big deal? What is what is the problem with that in first Corinthians chapter six, verse 18, the Bible says run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that you are your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? And was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So many people 
And, and, and a lot of this doesn't really relate to all of y'all. Y'all can't maybe identify with all this. Some of you, you can. But a one-time decision of I'm going to be I'm going to commit uh, sexual immorality or I'm going to go beyond the line can alter the course of your life. Some of you you've gone to school with some people that their lives had the course of their life has altered. You know, one person makes a decision uh you know to have sex outside of marriage and they get pregnant. And now God can forgive them absolutely. But the course of their life has altered forever. They now have what God can now God can take that baby and make it a blessing. But the course of their life has altered forever. I think it's incredible that the Bible beyond, uh, you know, this was before, you know, all all the advances in, in medical science and health and all that. And how it's talking about how sexual sexuality, sex outside of marriage affects your body. And we see that now. It's very clear now. But in the in the day that the Bible was written, there wasn't all this. There wasn't knowledge or or being known of STDs and, and all the different things that goes around with sex outside of marriage. And and it's cool that the Bible, it was aware and made us known and made it aware of the of this. And what I want to say to you is just a warning to all of us, every single one of us, one moment of pleasure can alter the course of the rest of your life. So let us not be people that live in the moment. If we're people that live in the moment, there is great danger. And so tonight, I'm not here to beat you up or condemn you. I'm here to make you aware. And wherever you're at, God can minister to you wherever you are. God can touch you. He can heal you. He can forgive you. But those of you that already that are, are have your sexual purity, keep it, guard it, beware that it's the most one of the most valuable things that you have. Don't live in the moment. There's great danger in living in the moment. Number three, when I live in the moment. My eternity can be affected. When I live in the moment, my eternity can be affected. James chapter four, verse 13 says, look here, you say today or tomorrow we will go to a certain town and we will stay there for a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? What he's saying is you're making temporary decisions on on I'm just going to kind of live in the moment. Here's what's going on tomorrow. This is what our plans are. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while. Then it's gone. What you ought to say, if the Lord wants us to, we will and we'll do that this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans and such boasting is evil. I want to key in on this verse. Remember. It is. Come on, all together. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What I want to do tonight, and really, actually, not only tonight, not only in this series, not only in purity, but in everything. I don't know what's going on, but let's just keep focusing. And everything that we do and everything that we do 
My goal is not to give you, everybody, come on, let's just pay attention. I want, I want you to get this point. It's important. In everything that we do, my goal is not to give you do's and don'ts. I absolutely hate whenever somebody preaches their own convictions. I do. Because what it produces in people's lives is religion. There are standards set by the Word of God. The Ten Commandments, all the things that Jesus said, that's a standard. That's across the board. That's for everybody. There's no negotiating that. But there are convictions that uh, that God places on us for our own good. And whenever we go against that, for you, it is sin. You know, whenever uh, whenever Key and I first got engaged. I asked the Lord to give us boundaries of what we were supposed to, what were the guidelines for us. And for some people, that would be ridiculous. But for us, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me that at the time, Kia lived in her own house. I lived in my house. The difference between our houses is she lived, lived by herself and I lived with a bunch of guys. And uh, and so there was always different people coming in and out of my house. And so God told me two things. One, that you, you aren't to kiss her until you get to the altar. And uh, sometimes whenever I share that, I'm like it kind of sometimes I've gotten some people that it almost offended like there's nothing wrong with a kiss. There's no that's not a sin. I know that for me, it would have been. And so God said, don't kiss her into the altar. The second thing is don't be alone at her house and, and unless somebody else is there. And uh, and whenever I was there, we opened the door where there's a screen where everybody could see in. We came in my house because there's always different people coming in and out. And I'm telling you that not for that to be your guideline whenever you get into a relationship. But what I am telling you this for is for when you get into that time where, okay, it's time to enter into a relationship. Uh, first of all, if you're the man, it's I believe it's your responsibility to seek God, to bring covering to your future spouse of God. What are the guidelines that you're setting for us? And the purpose of that is two things to find out what is sin for us. And second, whenever this moment comes, it will help you to think and live beyond the moment, knowing that, okay, I'm just here for a moment. My life is here for just a blink of the eye. And then I'm going into eternity. Live your life, not temporally, but eternally. That's the beauty of Christianity, that we have a promise that this there's more beyond this life. There's more beyond this life for every single person that lives. But for us that are Christian, we have heaven. We have eternity to spend with Jesus beyond this life. So live your life eternally, live beyond the moment. And for you, the greatest thing I think that I could say in a purity series is seek God. Because the closer you are to God, the the more that you will be able to avoid these things. Um, and I was thinking about, we were at a conference a few years back. And um, I don't remember this guy's name. He was from Australia. And if you have an Australian accent and you're a preacher, what is his name? James Murray, I think. Yeah, if you're a preacher and you have an Australian accent, you're automatically more anointing, uh, anointed. You know, it just sounds just so just like, man, like he could just be saying anything. It just sounds powerful, you know. And uh, But he did say something that was really powerful. He said, you know, I love cheesecake. Any of you love cheesecake? 
That wasn't the powerful thing. I'm getting to the power. He said, I love cheesecake. And uh, him and his wife have their favorite restaurant. And uh, he said, you know, I, I always, I, I always, I, I, cheesecake's his favorite thing. He loves getting to the end so he can get eat cheesecake. It's his favorite dessert. But because this is his favorite restaurant, he always gets an appetizer or whatnot and gets so full. By the time it comes to dessert, he can't take it. He, I can't, I can't eat, I can't, I can't, I can't eat anymore. I can't eat any cheesecake. And the point that he was bringing is, if you get so full of God, that you're not going to be that 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 won't tempt you like it normally would. That 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 the momentary pleasure is not going to tempt because you're so full. There's no more room. There's no more room inside of me. So, yeah, I still face temptation, but because I walk with God, because I crave the Holy Spirit, because I crave God's word, because I'm so full on him that these little momentary pleasures that come my way, I can't eat it because I'm so full of him. And the greatest thing that you can learn inside of a purity series is to get close to the Holy Spirit. If you walk with the Holy Spirit, you will avoid all of this. If I only had five minutes to preach, I didn't have 30 minutes or 40 minutes to preach. I would just preach that. The key to purity is walk with the Holy Spirit. If you walk in intimacy with him, he will keep you beyond the consequences of your life beginning to shift and the course of it changing and your eternity changing. Walk with the Holy Spirit and he will reveal to you, hey, no, no, for you, this is sin. It may not be sin for them, but for you, because I know your weaknesses. That's the great. That's that's the God we serve. We serve a tailor made God that can take. There's all these people across the earth and he knows you. He formed you and knows what your strengths are. He knows what your weaknesses are. And hey, because I love you so much. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, for you know, think of, of this as an illustration. There is nothing wrong with driving a car. Would you agree with that? If you don't agree with that, I, I don't I don't know why you, why you there's nothing wrong with driving a car, right? Yeah, you get you're, you're 16 years old you or 17. You get your driver's license and you drive your car. You've gone through some training, right? You've gone through driver's ed. You've learned that, you know, stop signs. Many people on the road have not learned that, but you're supposed to have learned the, the regulations and all that, right? Okay, you're, seven, you're 16, you're 17, there's nothing wrong with driving a car, right? Is it okay for a five-year-old to drive the car? No, why? They're not ready. They're not in a place of maturity that they can they can contain that that car will destroy and ruin their life. And so they might take it as this is mean for my parents saying, no, you can't drive this car. But in reality, it's protection for them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Says, no, it's not because I'm mean and I want to keep you away from fun. It's because I love you and I want to keep you from destroying your life. How many of you would say, probably God knows a little bit more of the right way for me to go? Yeah, pro- probably so, right? The creator of the entire universe that we have at, at, the, at our fingertips that we can say, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, show me what I need to do. It would be better for us to follow him and we would avoid so much of this. 
so much of this. I think somebody that could preach this much better than me is somebody that has been saved and experienced the consequences of sexual immorality. They would say, I'm saved. I've been healed. God has delivered me. But I sure would have preferred to have heard this a long time ago and avoided all of this. Let us not be people that live in the moment. Now, real quick, how do I escape the dangers of living in the moment? How do I escape the dangers of living in the moment? I want to give you three quick ways. I want you to write this down because this will help you. How do I escape the dangers of living in the moment? Number one, I receive God's divine empowerment. Number one, I receive God's divine empowerment. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says the temptations in your life. Are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you the way out. So you can endure another word for God's divine empowerment is grace. You can't, I, you know, that's what I thought was cool about Jonathan's word that he gave of just, you know, basically the is just surrender, just lay down, allow God to kill your flesh. If we it, look, God's grace is available for every born again child of God. It's the greatest thing that we have, you know, people that don't have the Holy Spirit or don't have the gifts of the Spirit, or don't have grace when they read the Bible, it's terrible for them. Because it just looks like law. If you read the Bible without grace, it's law. It's hard. I cannot do this. I can't keep this. How can somebody that is a teenager that has that seems so unfair? I have all these hormones and different things that's going through my body. How can a young person stay pure? Grace. Grace. Divine empowerment from God, from the Holy Spirit that he made available to each and every one of us. How do I avoid the dangers of living in the moment? I receive God's divine empowerment. He gives us the way out. If we would make a decision, what happens a lot of times is he gives us the way out and we choose not to accept it. A lot of myself included, all of us, we go through those moments of there's the way out. And I choose not to accept that way out. Let us be people that choose the way out that God makes available to us. We walk in God's divine empowerment. Number two, we walk in the fruit of the spirit. We walk in the fruit of the spirit, mainly self-control. And I could give you a lot of different scriptures about self-control. But one scripture, I think that it really says it all. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken Walls, you know, in those times, cities had walls all around them. It's what protected the enemy from just coming in. When we don't have self-control in our lives, we drop the walls that protect us and the enemy can just come in rampant. A lot of you I saw last week really got some freedom. God really delivered some of you, I believe, supernaturally encourage you walk in that freedom now. It's not enough to come up to an altar to get prayed for. And now I'm free. Now you got to walk in that freedom. And the way that we continue to walk in the freedom is by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the spirit, which one of a main thing that will keep us is self-control. I pray this for myself all the time. Because that, that's that's a weakness for me, not not all, not. In just certain areas of just, OK, just giving into my flesh, I pray, God, help me to walk in self-control. 
Help me to walk in the fruit of your spirit. I receive it. And it's not about what Elijah wants to do. It's about God. What is your will? What do you want me to do? And if it's against what my will is, well, tough. It's about his will. And so through that, I control my own desires, my own, whether it's even, regardless of what it is, whether it's sin or not. Paul said that all things are, are per- permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Sometimes God doesn't want me to have an evening filled with football, filled with sports center. Sometimes he's saying, hey, turn it off, get away, get in your word. And I got I want to speak to you. Is football sin? I pray that it's not. If it is, I'm in big trouble. But what he's saying is, listen, control yourself. Listen to me. Follow me. And I will avoid all kinds of momentary pleasure which will keep me from permanent consequences. Number three, the final point is walk in humility. Walk in humility. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this is right before uh, our, our last scripture that we read or a few scriptures ago. If you think you're standing strong. Be careful not to fall. If you think that you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Uh, I can tell you some some people uh, probably didn't come tonight because they say, I've been through some purity series before. I've I've kind of gone through this. I'm actually I'm doing OK. I, I really I'm good on the on the level and the area of purity. Be careful that you not fall. All of us, even Paul said this and. And I say this to myself, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. But I discipline my body, I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself be disqualified. Purity, especially, is no respecter of persons. It's not okay, I'm walking in purity, it's automatic, I'm good for the rest of my life. Nope, this applies to me, this applies to our leaders, It applies to every single person that listen. And my warning to myself and to us is this in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Because what happens when you're like, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. You know, I experienced this. Man, it's like, you know, my first year of internship. God was laying a foundation. And uh, the, the bad thing about about having to relay a foundation is some jackhammering has to happen. There's a lot of pain that's involved in that. It's got to be ripped. I felt like my first year of internship, I just got ripped to shreds by God in a great way. And it was painful at the time. But I remember I would think that, man, I'm doing good. I mean, there's there's just a few things in my life. If, you know, I mean, I guess I have a little bit of, of sin, I guess. But, you know, I thought I was pretty much God's gift to man. No, I wasn't. I, I'd be like, man, I mean, I don't know what sins in my life. I, I'm just I would pray and I would pray for hours out of pure pride, pure, you know, pure uh, Pharisee type thing. And God would speak to me and show me something in my area in an area like, no, no, this is off. This is wrong. And it was crushing. It was devastating to me. But whenever I realized that that's a great place to be. Whenever I think I'm standing strong, I'm an incredible man or woman of God, be careful not to fall. Whenever I think that, man, I'm walking in great purity, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be, be careful not to fall. What's the antidote to that? Humility. 
acknowledging, okay, God, I'm not, I don't have it all together. I struggle with the same temptations that are common to man. But by your grace, that's the difference. That's the difference between me and somebody that is lost is but God has delivered me from and made available for me to walk and live in freedom and for you as well. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. I pray that that you don't hear this message. And not receive it, I pray that you receive it and you live it out. And I pray that the enemy doesn't steal it from your heart. This is something that that applies to all of us and in, in, in purity, especially, but in every area of our lives. Apply this to your life, live it out, walk in it. And you will avoid so much. You'll avoid so much. The reason that we do this, these series is because we love you. We we love you. I love you very much. And I pray that, that it, as you listen to this, you apply this to your life, that you avoid all kinds of consequences. You know, some people, you know, they. I, I've heard some people that, uh, um, that have grown up in church and lived for God, they're almost embarrassed that they don't have a testimony, a testimony, so to speak. I don't really have a testimony. I didn't come from drugs. I didn't come from, uh, you know, I, 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 I kept my virginity. I did all this stuff. That's the greatest testimony you could have. Yeah, it's incredible whenever somebody, you know, like, like me gets supernaturally delivered from drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. But I, I would trade off avoiding all that. And God can take that and use that. That's because He's God and He's amazing and He's incredible. But for you, for those of you, you can avoid so much. You can avoid so much. Maybe for those of you that have maybe crossed some lines, there's forgiveness for you. There's healing for you. There's deliverance for you. And everything that you do, God can, God can set you free supernaturally. But it would be so much better for you not to be have to be set free. For God to just give you freedom and you can continue to walk in it. I'd like everybody to just bow your heads right now. Close your eyes. Just to create a private moment between you and God. Father, I pray for every single person right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just sweep across this place. That you begin to just touch lives, touch hearts, God. Lord, I ask that you would continue to just speak to people. Lord, for those that are walking the path of purity, may we not be puffed up with pride, thinking we're we're strong, lest we fall. I pray, God, that this would be served as a warning to us to continue to walk in purity. Lord, I thank you, Father, for touching lives. And for those that have maybe lost some areas of purity. Lord, I pray right now that they would not feel condemned, that they would not feel beat down, but Lord, that they would experience your love, your healing, and your forgiveness right now here in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.